Hi all, happy Monday. I hope you're all having a great start to your week. I keep getting asked questions about self-help and my thoughts on psychology and philosophy in general, especially since I reference them sometimes in these audios. People want to know how much value they hold and how they sit in the balance of Torah and spirituality. So for some context on my personal experience, I figured uh, I'd share something here. So I started off exploring philosophy, um, things like Stoicism and Confucianism and ethics, etc. for years. And I found it very interesting and useful at times, but also a bit soiled. Uh, I found that a lot of the culture and beliefs and values and historical context surrounding the philosophies and the philosophers themselves made the teachings not only difficult to sift through, to practically apply to my specific life, but in some cases problematic. You know, the Kabbalah says that a person's advice is very powerful and potentially dangerous if used improperly because advice is like a seed that impregnates the mind. That's what Rabbi Nachman says. So if you take advice from, let's say, a wicked person, God forbid, or a person involved in thought, speech, and deeds that aren't pure or holy, those qualities can transfer to you. And while I didn't know that Kabbalistic idea back then when I read all sorts of texts from all sorts of people, I definitely felt the vibe. That maybe this person is saying interesting things, but there's some doubt and confusion within this person with the way he looks at himself, with the way he looks at God and life, etc. The Romans, for example, had great perspective, but their culture was very base in a lot of ways. And I felt that a bit. Uh, Eastern thought was a little bit more relaxing and peaceful. You know, it teaches about inner calm and meditation. But again, I found it difficult to practically apply these things within the realities of my own culture. And many times it took God completely out of the picture due to the lack of belief in a creator by some of these philosophies. And that's very problematic because any philosophy that takes out fundamental truths, certain facts about life and existence, no matter how valuable the knowledge is from certain angles, it comes with side effects that you know enter a person's heart and mind. So I moved on. I moved on from philosophy. Next, I moved into psychology, which I then studied thoroughly for a couple of years. Now, psychology, which is basically the scientific study of the mind and its influence on behavior, was a lot of fun and also very interesting and very eye-opening from a physical world perspective. But knowing the nuances of how my brain and mind worked didn't really help me grow as a human being per se. It was good to know, right, which levers I could pull and buttons I could push to try to artificially influence my thinking patterns and my behavior or that of others. But again, it just didn't hit the spot for me. It didn't make real sustainable positive change. Was it knowledge? Yes. Applicable in certain places? Sometimes. Very practical? Not really. Furthermore, a lot of the leaders in the field of psychology, I found, were lacking in important areas that they either preached but couldn't practice themselves or didn't preach about because they didn't find it valuable. So, for example, some psychology professors and authors that I knew were a bit dark, and I'm talking physically and psychologically unhealthy or unstable. Others were spiritually empty or didn't lead positive family lives. Others had major vices and lusts and passions, and it just didn't do it for me. Yes, the science is interesting, but the humanity behind the knowledge was a little discouraging. Where was the wisdom? Where was the self-actualization, the self-growth, the betterment of self and humanity? Then I moved on from there and I found the self-help category, which I explored for many, many years. 
And this is probably where I spent my most time and found the most help of the three. It was just basic research rooted ways to improve as a person, basic tools and strategies that mixed a bit of everything, health, wellness, science, psychology, hard work, experience, advice, etc., to improve your thought and action. So I enjoyed it a bit. I also had a life coach at the time, which helped a lot and taught me effective ways of thinking and operating. He's actually the one I published uh, the book with that I shared, The Thrivers Toolbox. Um, but anyway, it was interesting self-help because after all, the mind does have to be clear and strong for one to build and progress in life. So again, that's probably where I enjoyed my personal growth most of those three. Uh, and there's some benefit there, learning the way to make habits and break habits, learning how to deal with intrusive thoughts, how to build courage. Even Rambam studied secular work, albeit very little, but he did it a bit. Um, the downside with self-help is many times you'll learn the information and not actually execute on it. Uh, and that doesn't take away from the value of self-help. It's just the reality. It doesn't change you. It doesn't automatically bring you closer um, because all it is is information and information really isn't the problem today. Inaction is the problem. So as much as the self-help clicked a bit more, it didn't solve what I was searching for, right? How does one change on a fundamental level into a better person and thrive? How does a person translate themselves into better thought, speech, and deed and and achieve a higher level of life? That was really the question. And that brought us now to the Torah. That brought me to the Torah, the truth of truth, the greatest of the greatest, uh, uh, the, the infinite and perfect wisdom that really has nothing near it to compare. And, and I want to be clear. I want to be completely clear. Sorry. This isn't an exaggeration. I wasn't brainwashed. I wasn't led into a group and convinced by some guy of this. I'm not a fanatic. No, I landed on Torah the same way I did philosophy, psychology, and self-help. Exploring books, tearing through the pages, listening to the experts, and applying the lessons to see for myself. And of course, siyata dishmaya. Of course, God guiding me and also having it work out that way and Hashem really did expose me to the Torah in a very special way and on a special path, the way he does everyone. But the point is, I landed on the Torah the same way I landed on the other subjects. And after a couple of years of diving into the Torah and applying its teachings, I could tell you I have never experienced, nor have I ever witnessed in others who joined on this type of journey, greater, quicker, more effective, more long-lasting, positive change in myself and the people around me ever before with any other ways of thought than I did with Torah. I'm serious. I thoroughly studied and aggressively applied philosophy, psychology, self-help. I've learned over that decade and nothing came even close to the growth and evolution and development and elevation that I've seen just in the last three years of Torah study and application. And I have to emphasize this. So I want to spend the remainder of our time in this audio explaining why I think that's the case. And just little disclaimer, I'm embarrassed and ashamed and even scared to an extent to dare even compare the Torah to those three other categories that we spoke about because they shouldn't even be considered or discussed together. They shouldn't even be in the same sentence. But for the sake of potentially convincing listeners to come closer to the Torah and implementing his genius. And since I'm doing it, I believe Lachim Shamayim to answer people's questions about the other three trains of thought. And all I really want to do is glorify Hashem and his wisdom. I'm going to take the risk. And with Emunah, I'm going to try to explain what I see in a very limited fashion, because I only see a little of, of what there really is. A few of the infinite reasons of why Torah is the greatest resource to humanity that we should all tap into. So, so let's dive in. 
So number one, off the bat, spirituality transcends everything physical, right? A philosophy can tell you how to think. A psychological idea can tell you why you think. And a self-help book can tell you how to change the way you think. But they're all limited to the conscious mind and rely on you going against nature to change the way you're wired. Spirituality, on the other hand, involves the spirit, what we call our soul, right? Which is made up of three parts, by the way, the neshama, the nefesh, and the ruach, which is the essence within us. And which even scientists, some scientists will admit affects and overpowers and in many ways controls the physical and psychological wiring and elements of our being. That's why you can have a person who works out every day, eats healthy, does positive affirmations, but still falls into sadness, depression, and sickness the second life gets rough, the second there's obstacles and challenges. Because reading about stoicism, for example, you know, the Roman concept of being calm and detached from events happening around you, or reading about your fight or flight brain in psychology, right, to label your concerns as misleading, they're nice concepts, And at best, they're a temporary band-aid placed on the surface of the conscious mind. But it doesn't affect your spirit, which is your life force that carries everything. A person can only rely on philosophy until something happens in life and the philosophy just doesn't work. It just doesn't solve it. A person can only rely on psychology until he realizes that no matter how much he knows about his brain and mind, he can't really control it and he can't really justify his own behavior. The Torah, on the other hand, changes you from the inside out. It changes your essence. It teaches you how to elevate your soul so that your mind and body are upgraded and therefore just operate at a better, more effective level. And even if you don't implement what you learn from the Torah, which by the way is not recommended because you get major results when you put in the work, but the Torah technically still changes you and influences you just when you immerse yourself in it and read it and study it. Merely reading the Torah refines you and goes deep. If you just read a philosophy book or a psychology book, you, you get nothing. I mean, if you're lucky... You get, you know, your conscious mind on the subject and maybe you absorb it. But most of the time, it just becomes unused knowledge just stored in your brain. The Torah, just reading it vibrates your soul. It changes your deeper self. It changes you in real time. Torah changes the person, which then changes the behavior. I'll repeat, philosophy tries to understand the behavior. Psychology tries to explain the behavior. Self-help tries to cause change in behavior, but Torah changes you. The way you think, the way you see things, the way you value things, the way you approach things. Torah gets stored in your heart. The other stuff gets stored in your brain. It's knowledge that you can use to make your own conclusions. Torah is wisdom that opens your eyes. It gives you the bottom line. And when you apply it, it transforms you to naturally do what's right. That's number one. Number two, the Torah is perfect. The Torah is holy and divine. Try reading it. You can tell it was not written by a human. And for the parts of the Torah that was, right, like let's say later works of Musar by some scholars, you can tell it's been divine given. You know it's Ruach HaKodesh. If you read Tehillim, it doesn't sound like King David wrote it because Hashem really wrote it through him. Rambam, and, I, and again, Lehavdil, Lehavdil, Lehavdil. Rambam feels different than Aristotle when you read it. Rabbi Nachman feels different than Ralph Waldo Emerson when you read it. And it's not just because of their style of writing. One is divine, the other is not. But put that aside. Just look at the Humash. Look at the five books of Moses written by Hashem and given on Har Sinai. It's God-given. Hashem wrote the book. When reading a philosophy book or a psychology book, you feel the humanity of it. You feel the personality of the author, his past, his experiences, his failures, his successes, his opinions, his character traits, for better or for worse. And they influence you, by the way, and the quality of the knowledge you're getting. 
With the Torah, you guaranteed a positive influence from the author. The author is Hashem. Secular work is the perspective, knowledge, and wisdom of creations. Torah is the perspective of the creator. You can't get better. You learn the qualities and character traits of Hashem. You enter the mind of Hashem. And through deploying the lessons, you become like Hashem, whatever that may mean to you. Life was created by Hashem, and Hashem created the blueprint for life. And that's the Torah. Everything else is scratching the surface. Philosophy and psychology is humanity's attempt to explain the miraculous wonder of creation using natural means and understanding. These subjects came about because philosophers and psychologists realize that there's more to life than meets the eye, and this is great, and it's well-intended, but it's basic. Torah takes you under the hood. Philosophy and psychology explore life top-down, trying to get to the source. The problem is they fall short. They only explain what they observe. Torah takes you inside. Torah takes you straight to the truth. It explains what is the creative and esoteric secrets of existence that we can use to thrive. So that's number two. Number three, Torah's pure. As I said earlier, philosophy sometimes has culture and base behavior behind it that if you knew about, you wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. The source of the wisdom affects the wisdom, and the Kabbalah is clear about this. Some of the greatest philosophers were completely atheist. That's a problem where some disciplined and proper and had ethics and had morals and were good people and had calmness. Yes, but many had no faith. Many psychologists rely on behavioral data and medical diagnostics and chemicals, hormones, and neurons to determine a path forward. What's missing is the chemicals, hormones, and neurons are not the, me- the end. They're the means to get to a functioning end. They are a means. Forget not being an end. They're not even a starting point spirituality is a starting point. What do I mean? When you implement spiritual things that grow you as a person, your chemical, hormonal, and neurological change is a physical manifestation of your body conforming to your spiritual changes. The scientific observation is just a physical means to the spiritual result. Meaning the neurons and hormones and chemicals that psychology talks about, those are the means that Hashem uses to create physical change from spiritual action. It's just a physical explanation. It's not actionable action steps. You want an example? I'll give you one. There's a prayer that people use when they're in danger. It's uh, it's right? And there's many stories of people saying the prayer when they're being attacked by dogs, let's say, or animals, and the dog suddenly stops in place and just sits and observes the person. Miracle, right? So psychology comes and says, no, what happened was the placebo effect made the person believe that the prayer was going to save him. So when he believed in the prayer, he was calmer. So the hormones and chemical, chemical chemicals and pheromones in his body changed where he wasn't scared. He was calm. And the dog smelled that. The dog realized the guy wasn't scared. So he decided not to attack because he didn't smell fear. That's backwards. It's the opposite. The prayer works in that the person's faith and prayer connects him to his higher spiritual self and Hashem. And the way Hashem makes the dog stop the attack is through using the physical means necessary to influence the physical world. Why would Hashem create a miracle where the person says a prayer and all of a sudden the dog blows up? (laughs) Of course, brain scans are going to show what the psychologist is describing, where the guy's less scared and less chemicals and the dog smells. That doesn't mean it's placebo. Hashem uses natural processes to execute the spiritual, at least day to day. We don't see miracles, uh, open miracles at least, right? The hormonal scientific placebo explanation is just that. It's an explanation, a physical result from a spiritual action. Hormones, chemicals, and neurons explain things and enable things they don't prompt change. You want change? Refine your spirit, learn Torah, become a better human being. Easier said than done? Yeah. But you know what's harder? 
applying Stoic philosophy in a turbulent, dysfunctional world and studying the way the brain works to try to outsmart it when it's thousands of years of wiring. <laughs> so, so psychology and self-help and, and philosophy, again, they serve a purpose, but it's not the source. They're explanations for what's happening spiritually. Okay, number four. Psychology, self-help, and philosophy empowers you through putting more of the control, pressure, and reliance on you. Torah empowers you through strengthening your faith and trust in God and putting the responsibility of effort on you and growth on you to refine yourself and improve your character traits. You see the difference there? One puts it all on you, which people think is empowering. Yes, I'm in control, I'm in power, but they don't realize it's actually hurting them. It's making them more scared and more miserable because... You're actually not in control when you think you're convincing yourself you want to make you happy. You're not in control. Whereas the Torah does the opposite. It says, no, you're not in control, but guess what? You could connect to the, per- to, to the being that is in control. And, and I'll give you an example. Stoic philosophy, right? Stoic philosophy tells us not to take events that occur to us personally. Great concept. Don't take it personally. Stay stoic. Stay calm. It has nothing to do with you. It's outside of you. Keep moving. It means nothing. Okay, psychology says uh, something different. Your brain's in fight or flight because you're wired, but there's coping methods to deal with it. Okay, self-help has another approach. Oh, there's methods to actually deal with the intrusive thoughts and decrease them, which by the way is effective. There's truth to that, right? But you know what the Torah says? No, it's not nothing to do with you. It's not your brain. It's not. You're in a custom-made situation sent to you by your loving heavenly father, Hashem, because he knows it's what's best for you. And if you just think positive by knowing it's for your good and instead focus on the message and the lesson, you will ultimately learn something priceless and be able to take action and improve as a human being and elevate your life. Now, could, could you get anything better than that? Now, someone might say, oh, positive psychology does that. It tells you, look at the good and manage the bad thoughts and build the self-confidence and find the lesson and take action. Guys, I studied positive psychology for years. I co-authored a book on it. Yes, it has helpful ways of thinking, but the Torah burns this onto your soul. Well, you don't have to convince yourself that things are for your best because after, after a while, when you work on the Torah, on your soul, and you study it, it works that muscle of connecting to you Connecting you to Hashem. So now your eyes themselves change. Where now all you see is, for, is, is good. You, you change the way you see the world. Not only the way you think. Positive psychology puts it on you. You, you, you. You think different. You do this. You do that. Spirituality says chill out. There's a creator. What's the message? What is he telling you to do? Reflect. Connect. How can you be better? What can we change? What can we do? That's the beauty of the Torah. Lastly, and uh, we went long here. I mean, it's powerful, but... We'll wrap it up here. There's way more, but we'll wrap it up here. Lastly, Torah is infinite in all ways. You can never run out of content that will help you as a person. You know, I found myself consuming dozens of philosophy and psychology books and self-help books, and eventually I reached a lot of repeated and overlapped lessons. In Torah, it's infinite. It's truly infinite. There's divine, perfect wisdom on every subject, every aspect of life, every quality, every character trait. It's all waiting for you. You just got to be patient and open-minded. You'll find something that resonates with you. Now, you might read something else that doesn't, right? You might go back to what resonated with you and go on a one-year journey in that world to take what you need and then move somewhere else. The Torah is dynamic. The Torah is personal. And you see yourself in every part of it if you, if you let yourself. The Torah isn't only a story of man or a blueprint of man. It's the story of you. It's the blueprint of you. That's what Rabbi Arush says all the time. You could open the book and immediately feel a strong connection to it, a, a spiritual book. I'm saying a, a Torah book. 
You also might read something that freaks you out <laughs> because there's a lot of depth and secrets and stuff out there, but, but move on. You don't understand it yet. It's not for you. You're not there yet. And that's another big piece. Humility, stay humble. Just because you don't understand something doesn't mean it's not true. Just because it seems irrational, unbelievable, doesn't mean it's not valuable. We're just not there yet. Go slow. Explore slow one step at a time and uh, enjoy the journey. Um, I think that's it. You know, I, I hope this didn't offend anyone or that my words aren't misunderstood or miscommunicated or misinterpreted. I hope, you know, I'm sure a lot of people love philosophy and love psychology and love self-help. And I really hope, you know, you don't feel like this was an attack on that because it really wasn't. Um, again, those got me to where I am today. I, for, I'm telling you, over the course of a decade, I, I was in philosophy, psychology, self-help. I, 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 bet I took from it. I, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to self-help for what it's done for me. I enjoy psychology for the interesting facts of how our physical bodies affect our minds. And philosophy, I'm a little more, you know, I'm not so into, but I appreciate the attempt of philosophy to make people better. But I'm just saying that after doing all three for years and then landing on the Torah, I know for an absolute fact, without opinion, fact, that the Torah is the greatest truth, the greatest of them all, and has the most power that we could practically, practically, you feel the passion, you hear it, and tangibly apply in our lives. That's, that's, that's the message I wanted to give you. If you got anything from this, it's that, it's that after my experience of being in all of them, the Torah is the main item. Um, I appreciate you listening. I apologize for any potential miscommunications. I appreciate you hearing the passion. uh, And I look forward to continuing this journey together. Good night.